Hello there and welcome to the first ever episode of the very new podcast. Welcome to Modern Day Thoughts. My name is Isaac Butterfield and thank you so much for joining us here on this very exciting day or whenever you're listening to this, uh, whenever it happens to be. But I'm here, I'm not here by myself. Thank God, I'm sure you'll be extremely bored. I am here with someone with a reputable character. I'm here with Dr. Bryce Fleming. Good afternoon, sir, and how are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Isaac. Yeah, I'm great, mate. It's great to be here and this is uh, very exciting for me being on uh, our very first podcast. It is. It is very exciting. I mean, you know, I, I do another podcast, but that's not important. It's all me just talking absolute rubbish. This is a serious, <laughs> serious podcast with good times in yeah. there as well. We're going to have a lot of great people on the show, but uh, we thought, uh, you know, you guys probably don't may not know too much about us. We thought we'd delve into who we are as individuals and what brings us together uh, to bring you this today. So we might start with you, Bryce. Yeah, sure. Who are you? <laughs> where, where, where are you from, mate? Uh, well, I originally came from Sydney. Yes. Uh, I grew up in Sydney as a kid and uh, studied at Macquarie University. Um, and then I moved to, to Newcastle. So what did you study at Macquarie? Uh, chiropractic. chiropractic. Well, actually, I started off doing computer science. Yeah. Um, and uh, I realised that hanging around a bunch of people that had pens in their pockets and looked at computer screens all day long really wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I uh, actually had a really great experience with a chiropractor um, at some stage and that kind of resonated with me and then I realised I just wanted to change into chiropractic uh, whilst I was at university. So did you see yourself always doing chiropractic from when you were young or was it just something a spur of the moment type of thing, something you fell into? Well it is, it's something I fell into through um, uh, being exposed to a chiropractor when I was in my teens. Okay, so they had a positive influence on you and thought, I could do this. Absolutely. In fact, um, I was was quite heavily into martial arts and uh, the way that I got adjusted almost felt like a bit like a martial arts type of move and I thought, gee, that's pretty cool. I want to learn how to do that. Crouching tire, hidden Fleming. Yeah. Yeah. Right, gotcha. (laughs) Sounds good. Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so you went through uni and... Actually, an interesting question that you can tell a lot about a person Mm. would probably be, what was your first job? We're back, in the, back first, in the days of uni. My very first uni job. Gee, I had a few. Um, I Okay, this is going to be quite funny. I was actually a sales rep yeah. at Pumpkin Patch Children's Clothing. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> well, so they had a uh, like an online catalogue yeah. uh, and a, like a phone service type of thing. And uh, people would ring in and they'd have the catalogue and say, well, I'd like, you know, this number and uh, this item and... Um, and I would, you know, take their order and yep. um, try and explain other types of clothes that would go with these type of clothes and send them up and ship off the clothes and mm-hmm. away you go. So, um, yeah, it was quite a, uh, an interesting and challenging job. Um, I think there was only about two or three blokes in a call centre of about maybe 40 women. So, um, right. yeah, it was a bit, bit weird around so the lunchtime. Christ- the Christmas parties would have been pretty good yeah. then. <laughs> Excellent. I know what you're saying. Christmas parties were, well, they're very... Uh, Feminine-based Christmas parties, but it was all a bit of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's like being in the it's like being in the uh, supermarket. Plenty to choose from. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, so you're at uni. So that was your first job. But yep. uh, I happen to know a little bit about you, Bryce. You know, yes. we've got to know each other over the last couple of months, and yep. maybe a year or so. And you didn't just work at Pumpkin Patch. No. You were uh, you were you were doing something uh, a little bit more interesting. That's right. Um, well, I actually had another job. Uh, I had another couple of jobs. One okay. of them, Go on. I worked for an, uh, a cartooning studio called Energy Entertainment. I don't know, what? you're just learning all this stuff now. What were you... What, <laughs> what, 
what were you doing at the cartooning studio? So I was doing what's called in-betweening and backgrounds, um, which is where in the old days when you actually had to draw the cartoons, um, yeah. I was uh, doing some animation type stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, really. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, um, that was for a couple of projects. One of them was called Crocodoo, which was a, an old um, uh, show that used to air, I think it was on Channel 7 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and the other one was for the um, Magic Pudding, which... Okay, yeah, yeah right. So, so you were involved in that. So you were drawing the backgrounds and all that type of stuff, or was it actually... So I was, I was doing some of the backgrounds and what they call the in-betweening. So if you have um, uh, you, two pictures, um, one of them is one person you know, about to take a step and the other, per- and the other pictures the person have completing the step, mm. someone has to draw all the little in-between bits so that when it kind of flips all together, it animates and shows you the actual motion of walking. So for one second of us watching the magic pudding, yep. how many drawings are involved in one second of TV? Uh, a, a lot. <laughs> so how many is a lot? Are we talking 100? We... Um, depends on what the kind of movement is, but I, from there, oh, this was a while ago, but it was probably about... 10 to 15 per second, I think, okay. roughly, which when you add it up, mm. you know, that's, that's quite a lot of work. So for, for an episode of, let's say, The Simpsons, I mm. mean, how many, how many months worth of work are they putting into that? Well, now it's, it's all digital. All digital, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, a lot less uh, people actually on the tools. And well, all back when Homer was used. Mr Plough, that, was, yeah. that could be a, a month's worth of work for half an hour of TV. Yeah, yeah. 21 minutes of they TV. Used to, they used to do a lot of uh, outsourcing to um, a lot of the Asian countries. Okay. Um, and they used to spend a lot of time doing that in-betweening stuff as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, back in the day, cartooning was a really big, big project to get mm. something out. So, you, so you're a talented drawer, I take it? Um. Oh, well, I used to be. I suppose I haven't really done much yeah, right. for a while, but I, I do like a bit of graphic design and, and uh, drawing and stuff like oh, that now. Well, yeah. There you go. So you moved on from the cartooning world. Yep. And then you fell into straight after that? Uh, well, then I actually worked behind uh, in a bar and, and then nice. took up uh, DJing. Took up DJing? Yes. Okay. DJ Stizzle Sticks or? Uh, <laughs> no, just, just my. Uh, Flem Dog? Yeah, Flem Dog. Flem Dog Millionaire? Is that. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I just just use my normal kind of name as a DJ name. Big Dog Bryce, gotcha. Yeah, cool. got it. Yeah. <laughs> so D- you're DJing all Big over dog the world. Big Dog Whack. Yeah, very yeah. nice, very yeah. nice. DJing all over the world, all the, all the um, biggest parties. Uh, Sydney mostly, yeah. uh, a few few times in Melbourne, but uh, through all through Kings Cross uh, nightclubs, um, all through Sydney, uh, places like the Art House, Greenwood. Yeah, right. Um, you know, they're not as uh, good nowadays as what they used to be. Not as popular. I think a lot of the um, Government regulations and the lockout laws have uh, kind of dampened down the nightlife yes, in Sydney absolutely. at the moment. Absolutely. Uh, and Newcastle too. Well, when I was growing up, that was basically... So when I'm, I'm 22 now, so from when I was 18, the last four years in Newcastle, it's been early lockout yep. and that's it. Yeah. But now in Sydney, they're implementing it You know, over the last uh, six months, eight months or so. And people I talk to in Sydney freak out about it, but I'm completely used to it. Have you... You know, obviously you don't go out that much in Newcastle now being an adult mm. and whatnot, <laughs> but... Um, in Sydney back in the day, that, that would have been just a, a crazy time to be involved, especially with DJing and nightclubs. Yeah, yeah, it was, um, well, I mean, it was quite often where I'd go from a Friday night and I would, um, you know, play the majority of the night and then, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't stop until about <coughs> three or four o'clock in the morning and yep. then there'd be another club that you could go to, a day club, and you just keep playing. 24-hour clubs? Yeah, 24-hour clubs. Wow. Yeah, so are we, are we talking uh, early 2000s here or...? Yeah, about about uh, well, this when I was kind of really involved in it would have been about 
eight or nine years ago. Now. Oh, right, okay. So you, you graduated university with your degree, I'm assuming, <laughs> top of your classes, obviously. <laughs> um, was there a moment there where you thought, oh, I don't really want to do chiropractic right now, I want to stick with the DJing? Or was there a music career ever that you wanted to... Do you know pursue? what? There, there was uh, a moment um, when that actually happened. It was, it was really... Uh, it's what brought me here to Newcastle. Um, okay. Because... Where I was working in Sydney as a chiropractor, um, it, it really it wasn't resonating with me. The philosophy that the, the team that I was working for was um, very much about uh, pain and symptoms and, and not really kind of getting to the core of being able to help people. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't very busy. I wasn't really kind of even making um, ends meet. Um, but I was making um, you know, a bit more of a living actually in the music world at mm -hmm. that time. And it made me think, you know, what do I actually want to do with my life um, and then literally within the space of a week, I got a job opportunity in Newcastle. Uh, I told my, my wife, who was my girlfriend back at the time, yeah. that, you know, that's it. We've got to move. This is just going to be the best thing. And um, came to Newcastle, checked out the area. I mean, it's, it's an amazing place. You've got beaches everywhere. It's, you know, housing's affordable. It's just freaking amazing. I wouldn't think of it living anywhere else. So tell us about that first time you came down to Newcastle. And for those of you who are not... Uh, not living in Newcastle at the moment, perhaps you have some experience with Newcastle, you've heard about it or, or whatever, mm. um, or perhaps you're living here now and it's been your whole life. What was your first, your first, the first thing you saw when you came to Newcastle? What gave you the first, uh, your first influence in Newcastle? Um, I was actually, uh, obviously I was coming from Sydney and it was travelling up around, around the lakes, uh, around Warners Bay and, um, and Valentine and all that kind of area and I just thought, what a, what a beautiful place. It yeah. really is just magic here. Um, and that was the, the thing that just tipped me over the edge. I didn't even really kind of even see the beaches or understand how, um, you know, how Australian and how nice the people are here yeah. as well. You know, we really, we take that for granted now, but coming from Sydney, you don't realise how good you've really got it here. It is, it is quite incredible. You see the difference between here and Sydney. Like I was in Sydney two weeks ago now and, you know, you don't say g'day to anyone, you don't, you just, everyone's just so flat out and busy and they don't have a second, but you, you walk back here and some bloke at the bread shop wants to talk to you for half an hour about the time he was in the war and this happened and that yeah, happened. Yeah, it's good. It's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's how you learn about, about the people you're around. Yeah. But you, you've mentioned chiropractor six or seven times now and that's what we've been talking about, how you got to it, but yep. what, is, what is a chiropractor? I've, I've been involved with being, uh, you know, uh, looked after by chiropractors for a long time now yep. due to injuries and it's, you know, certainly changed my life and how I've you know, been able to live mine. But what, for the layman out there, yep. explain in those terms, what, what do you do? What do you do for people? And mm -hmm. what, what, is your, what is your field, basically? Well, before I get into how, how it works with the nuts and bolts of it, um, you know, there is a lot of misconception about what it is a chiropractor actually There is, does. and there's a lot of negative things that's associated yeah. with it, for whatever reason. Yeah, sure. And that just really comes down to people not understanding what it is we do. Um, and it's also a lot of preconceived ideas um, from things that were, uh, I suppose, talked about in, in the olden days that weren't necessarily true. Mm -hmm. So really what I do as a chiropractor is I, I make sure people's brains and nervous systems can function at their, their highest level. Yeah. And um, to, to get it so you understand it, how it works, I'm actually going to get you to tell me how it works. Okay, this is going to be interesting, a bit of a challenge for you. Okay. But I'm going to point to your body part, and you're going to tell me what that is. Okay, this sounds like a courtroom, but it, yeah, go yeah. on. <laughs> go on. He touched me. No. <laughs> so if, I, if I'm going to say, you know, what's this up here? That is my head. That's your head. And what's in your head? Uh, well, it depends who you ask, but for me, my brain, yes, go on. Your brain. And how does your brain talk to your body? 
Well, mate, as you know, I'm quite a scientific type of character, but I, I'd assume through electrical currents. Yeah, sure, that's a great way of putting it, but it's, it's really your nervous system, isn't it? Your spinal cord and your nerves, yep. and all those nerves, what do they actually connect to? Okay, so they connect to muscles, um, uh, other nerves, uh, your, your organs, your, uh, your, yes, those things. Absolutely. So your brain communicates to every single cell, tissue, organ, um, everything, in, everything your in your system, everything okay. in your body. And what protects the nervous system? What protects your spinal cord? Uh, your, your spine? Yeah, your yes. spine. Yeah, absolutely. Good answer. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. And what do you think would happen if there was a part of your spine that just doesn't work properly or doesn't move properly? How do you think that would affect the flow of information? Well, the way I think about it is if it's a, you're sitting at your computer and you've got your computer cord that connects your, your, the, the power to your actual computer. If you run over it with your computer chair yep. several times, would that affect the power flow? And the, the same with the spine. If it's damaged in a way or, or yep. pushing on your spinal cord, perhaps that affects the, the electrical flow to other parts of your body. Bingo. You hit the nail on the head. So if you have an area of the spine that doesn't move or work properly, then it's going to affect the way that the flow of information from your brain down your spinal cord into your body parts is actually going to be relayed. Okay. And that over a period of time will definitely affect your health and your performance and your well-being and, and all the other things that make you you. So that effect could go from something very small or it could be extremely drastic, could it? Absolutely. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. so you can have people with severe symptoms like, you know, migraines um, they've had all, all their lives and you relieve the pressure uh, from their nervous system and the migraines go away. Whereas you can have someone who has virtually no symptoms and still get a lot of benefit from mm. chiropractic care because it helps them just to perform better at whatever it is they choose to do. Well, for me personally, the reason I first started coming to you at your, at your uh, workplace was uh, because I was having headaches every day. Yep. I'd finish work and I'd have a stinking headache and yep. that was Monday to Sunday. Yep. You know, I was having headaches every single day and it was affecting me. Like, you know, you don't want to live your life where you're in pain for whatever reason or you're popping a hundred Advils, you know, every day and, you know, you're trying to get by and you're trying to do things and you can't go out at night because you've got headaches and all these type of things. And I come along and you guys were amazing. You know, I couldn't believe it. After about a month or two, because I'd have it my whole life, obviously, it's not mm. going to get a, you know, a simple fix. But I was completely different. I was a different person. Yeah. And it, and it affects you on a lot of different levels that I suppose we, um, we don't realise too. You know, you're... Uh, you know, your moods, your ability to participate in society, mm -hmm. um, you know, all those kind of things, they, they change as well as you feel and function and resonate better within yourself. And, yeah, I see that every day, all day, every day as a chiropractor, I get to see people change and literally come out of their shells because mm -hmm. you're reconnecting the neurology, the, the, the power of the electricity, like you said, um, that just kind of amps them up and allows them to be the best them that they can be and it's uh, it affects my family too my little brother he's he was having a twitching sensation yep. through the right side of his body yeah when he was just laying down just relaxing for whatever reason that electrical signal wasn't firing yep and he'd go to the chiropractor once or twice in mm. one week and he was it yeah. wasn't happening anymore yeah you yeah, know? yeah which was crazy for us and my mother especially she couldn't believe how quickly it worked yeah yeah, yeah it's look as i said it, it affects um everyone differently um, and people can have different experiences. But the one thing I do know is that whenever you have some kind of irritation on um, uh, the way that the brain communicates to the body or some type of, um, uh, I suppose, pressure on the, that nervous system, mm. it's always going to be bad for you. Mm. There's nothing good that's going to come from it. 
And being able to remove that pressure is always going to allow your body to function better. And Absolutely. if that means you have great symptomatic results, that's fantastic. If that means you have better performance results, I mean, that's great too. If you get better grades at school or, you know, whatever it might be for you. So, yeah, it affects everyone differently and everyone has a, a slightly different experience out of it. But it's always a positive thing. So it's not just physical, it could be mental as well. Always, yeah. Yeah, right. Physical, okay. chemical, mental, emotional. Wow. Yeah. So it all stems from the brain. So that's that's basically the chiropractic belief that if you have that in that perfect your connection from your brain down your spinal cord to every part of your body, if you have that under perfect circumstance, yep, then you're gonna have it your optimal health. Yeah, well, you're going to be able to um, allow your body the best chance to deal with whatever environment you put it in. Yes. In other words, if you eat a whole bunch of like Big Macs and sit on the lounge and um, you know get stressed out all day long, that's going to be a very hard load for your body to handle. Mm. But if you have a clear brain and nervous system, you will handle that load to the best of your ability. Mm. You're still going to be unwell because you're putting a whole bunch of crap into your system. But you've still got a better chance of being able to deal with all those stresses that you have. So it really just allows you to be um, more resilient in this, in this world mm-hmm. um, and, again, allow you to perform at your best. Yeah, so it gets you closer to your optimal state of health. So obviously, as a chiropractor, you would recommend most people going. But uh, let's just say for the moment you're not. Would you recommend it to most people? And is it necessary for most people? And like, if if if, if this is a, if some bloke at home sitting this right now, he's just had a big day. Yep. he's working on a building site. Jeez, his back's killing him. Yep. Would you say go straight to your chiropractor? Well, I would say um, it doesn't matter if you have a symptom or not. Yep. You're always going to be better off when your brain communicates to your body mm-hmm. every time. So yes, if you have a, a sore back, that could be an indication that your spine isn't working properly, and you should probably get that checked out. Yep. Just like if you had a sore tooth, you know, you'd probably go to the dentist, you know, the dentist and get that checked out, right? Um, but even if you don't have a sore back or you don't have any symptoms, mm. um, again, you, it's like going to the dentist just for a regular kind of checkup to make sure that you're not kind of developing any problems later on down the track. We always, yeah, we recommend that as well. Do you find that a lot of people that come to you and you treat have the same, uh, that you have the same effect on them that the chiropractor that treated you in the first place had the effect on you? They want to become a chiropractor and they want to share and what you're doing to people? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I remember when I was at uni, I'm pretty sure chiropractic had the highest amount of mature age students right, in okay. any profession. Yeah. And, and that's because um, you know, people were going through their lives and at some age they actually uh, came in contact with, with a chiropractor and you know, it, it changed them. It changed the way they thought, they mm-hmm. performed and all that kind of stuff, so much so that they would actually stop what they're doing in their life and go back to university and learn how to become a chiropractor. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it, it does um, definitely influence people um, quite a lot. Yeah, right, okay. Mm. So if there's someone out there that's never been to a chiropractor before, what would you say, what would you say to them? Like, what would you be, you know, if you were just going with them in a bar and say, yep. listen, mate, I can see you, you're, you're walking around, you're holding your back. Yep. What do you reckon? Like, <laughs> what, what, would you, what would you say to that person? Like, how would you sell it to someone who goes, no? Nah, Mate, that's all rubbish. You know, those blokes are just there to steal your money. Yeah. Look, that's, that's fine. I mean, everyone's allowed to have their own opinion. Um, usually the people with the uh, most negative opinions on, on what it is I do, um, they're the ones who have never even come close to experiencing it. Mm. Um, but the way that I, I um, try and explain it, I, I honestly, I just try and lead by example. So, you know, I never try and get people to do things that I don't do. Um, I just show them how, um, you know, you can live a life that is 
really good quality mm-hmm. healthy happy life you know and people usually ask me what what do you do okay. <laughs> so so what do you do what how do you stay healthy how do you train how do you uh, is there a certain way you eat you know how yep. do you provide yourself with the you know you're, you're obviously getting chiropractic work yourself yeah 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 uh, and how are you providing your body with the proper energy the proper uh, the exercise regime how do you how do you how do you do that so um, it comes down to figuring out what our body actually requires first of all um, there's a lot of, uh, I suppose, different opinions out there about, you know, you should eat this diet and you should do this type of exercise. And, you know, there's a million different diets, a million different exercise regimes, a million different self-help programs and all that kind of stuff, right? But the reality is, um, genetically, we've been designed really to thrive in a certain type of environment. Mm-hmm. And any time you move away from that environment, it's going to negatively affect your health. Okay. When it comes to diet, um, the, the Paleolithic or the ancestral type of diet, really on a genetic level, is what we've been wired up to expect. So I follow those kind of guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I avoid grains and dairy and um, alcohol and you know, a lot of the things um, that uh, affect your, your health in a negative type of way. Um, and I train in a way that's very um, short, sharp and intense. So um, I exercise. When I add up my exercise in total, I probably only train for about an hour and a half to two hours a week maximum. Yep. Um, uh, but when I do a workout, it's, it's quite short, sharp and, you know, very CrossFit based. I, I do train at a CrossFit gym. Mm. Um, I also train at just a, a Globo gym, a normal yeah. gym as yeah. well. Um, uh, and, I, you know, I just do stuff outside as well. Um, uh, even like to get in the water and go surfing and things like that as well. It's just just try and mix it up and vary things as possible as much as possible. I, I do agree with um, the CrossFit way of lifestyle. I don't you know uh, subscribe to it myself only because of the few bad eggs that I've encountered that carry on a bit. The whole uh, you know if, if you are involved in CrossFit, everyone around <laughs> you knows because I have to tell, tell everyone, everyone that I'm doing CrossFit. CrossFit. Yeah, but um, and it's the whole taking your shirt off in a big group of men. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know that's all cool, but it is it is a good way to train. It's hard. I've seen a million videos of people training across. It's hard. It's intense. Yeah. You know, it's really stressing your body to try and give it that chance to. Well, not even give it a chance. Give it, not even give it an option. Rather. Yeah. It has to adapt. Yeah. If it doesn't adapt. It's going to continue to fail. Yeah. So yeah. That, is that the whole point of CrossFit? Is that not the point, but the whole <laughs> um, the whole idea behind that method of training? Yeah, it is. Um, the high intensity training, uh, again for a short amount of time, it does put your body into a, um, I suppose, a holy crap, I'm going to die situation. Yes. And when you get in that type of state, again, this goes back to um, your genetics and and uh, you know survival type of stuff. You know, if there's a if there's a big tiger behind you, hmm. you've got either a chance to get away from that tiger or turn around and fight it. And if you manage to actually get away quick enough your body will turn around and say, well, I'm going to make myself just a little bit stronger and a little bit faster so I can get away from that tiger next time. Yes. So this is real big, intense kind of situation that happens. And because it is that, that high intensity and high um, stress load on the body, you adapt very quickly and you get very fit in a very short amount of time. Mm. Whereas if you compare that to, say, a long-distance runner or sitting on a treadmill for an hour at a time, it, it just doesn't give you anywhere near the same results. So for the people out there that train statically, like doing a bench press or doing a bicep curl, mm-hmm. I, I feel that that's, it's a necessary thing to do uh, 
to build like a like a, for me it's a necessary thing to do as a base. Yep. But I like for especially for my type of work and I like to incorporate a lot of power stuff. For me who who plays football, uh, rugby league, I like to be able to obviously I need to have power. Yep. And I found myself coming into the gym last year, pre season, my first ever time in gyms, uh, doing a lot of power work and that certainly helped me with my defence and with my speed and all those type of things because I was putting myself under so much strain mm. and through all these like, these things that my body's never done before. Yeah. And it was adapting itself and it was, you know, considerably helping. But for people who sit in the gym and just do bench press and do those type of things, sure, they might look big, mm-hmm. but is it? I think functional strength, and in your opinion, functional strength is definitely the way to go. It really depends on, on why you're doing what you do. So... If you want to look big and puffy and kind of bodybuilderish, yes. then the functional high intensity type of stuff probably isn't going to be what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. If if you want to look as as natural and fit and strong as possible, then it definitely is. When it comes to powerlifting and um, you know going for what you call your one repetition maximum type of stuff, when you're doing that specifically specifically for a sport like football. You're not going to necessarily put on a lot of size, mm. but the strength that you'll have will definitely help you in yeah injury prevention and you know smacking into some 120 20 yes. kilo Samoan bloke. Yes. So not the best time, but yes, <laughs> which is what you do. Which is what I do. Yeah. Which is why I visit the chiropractor. Which is week. yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I just keep uh, aligning you back up, <laughs> reconnecting your power, and you just keep going back on the field and get really smacked in. <laughs> yeah. Which is fine. A lot of people do that, you know, yeah. and that's that's their choice. It's your you know. choice. You know, I'm happy to support you with whatever it is you do. So talking about you, let's let's kind of delve into your life a little bit oh, it's, it's quite the story Bryce <laughs> goodness me so you are a, um, a comedian a stand up comedian in I New am Council. I am I'm very uh, you know people use the word up and coming but I yep. just, I'll just go right I'm just massively professional perfect not much money in it but <laughs> fake, fake it till you make it <laughs> fake it till I make it I'm selling out shows just at home at the moment but yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what made you want to become a comedian well I, I, I grew up wanting to play you know, for the nights here in Newcastle. It's all what I always wanted to do. I always wanted to, you know, follow my father's footsteps, who was a, a nights player, and I wanted to do that up until the point where I was about 12 or 13 years old where I hated playing footy. Yep. You know, I hated it. And the reason I hated it was because I was quite a large child. I was quite obese. Can, um, can I just stop you there? Yes. Just so the listeners can, can kind of picture you. Um, if, if you want to check out our website, actually, you'll see a picture of uh, Isaac. Yes, um, yes. But jump he, on our Facebook. Yeah, jump on our Facebook as well. He he's six foot eight. Six foot eight. Yeah. Two hundred and seven. Two hundred and six centimeters. Okay, six foot eight and pretty broad and and a big guy. So I'm a large individual. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Continue your story. So uh, I haven't always been that big. I was uh, normal sized once, uh, at least height wise. Anyway. Um, but yeah, if you want to jump on our Facebook page, Modern Day Thoughts, uh, jump on that. Uh, just search that little search bar. Also, jump on our Twitter as well and make sure you subscribe if you haven't subscribed already please sorry to interrupt this conversation yeah, no, that's please get on there and subscribe because yep. we've got a million stories like this don't worry about that <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I was I, when I was growing up I, I grew up in Whitebridge yep. in Newcastle and a little estate in there and I was a real skinny kid mm. uh, growing up I had blonde hair yep. I was a skinny kid I even had a six pack believe it or not and for my people that know me to, for me to say that I had a six pack is un- un- unbelievable but uh, growing up, you know, I was quite skinny. Come to about year two, mum and dad, you know, wanted to get Foxtel. So they got Foxtel. 
And that was my downfall. <laughs> they got Foxtel and I just raided the cupboard every afternoon after school and I expanded into... It was mainly puppy fat. Yep. But it was an unhealthy lifestyle of being quite, you know, uh, sedentary. Sedentary? Sedentary. Sedentary. That'll do. Just chuck a couple more E's in there. Yeah. Um, uh, living that lifestyle... Yes, yes, popping E's. Anyway, for those of you playing at home... <laughs> You know, living that lifestyle wasn't the best way to obviously uh, continue to keep my six-pack. So anyway, so going through school, it was, uh, you know, everyone was calling me fatsy and all these type of things and calling me a fat mess and whatnot. And that's that's just what happens when, you know, children are different at school. And, I mean, I don't know how you grew up, Bryce. Obviously, you know, you're a fit man now. I assume you were a fit person when you were a child? Mm, no. No? No, no. I was actually quite overweight and unfit myself. Oh, good. That's why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a bond. <laughs> we have a bond. We grew up fatty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> were you, yeah. So did you feel that at school as well? Like you were uh, made different or you were... I was, I was completely the odd person out. Yeah. Yeah, I Absolutely. was teased and, yeah, that was a real big... Absolutely. I suppose that was one of the things that, that drove <clears> me to where I am today. Um, uh, you know, with this podcast, it really is—it's about trying to get into the minds of um, people that have kind of succeeded in in the the fields that they've done. And I think when I look back on it, the fact that I was a bigger, unhealthy kid—you know—it's it something just clicked inside of me, and it's just—it's driven me to this this point in my life where mm. you know I've got my my health and uh, work life and all that kind of stuff, you know, really buzzing now, so that. Um, you know, it's helped me to be successful. Absolutely. Mm. And, when I, and when I was growing up, like, I, I was playing football uh, for Dudley, who I've played with for almost 20 years now, and, um, you know, I hated it. I really, really despised it because I was, un- I was unfit, I was unhealthy, mm. I was slow, mm. and uh, as Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of, all, cowards of us all. Mm. And I was. I was scared. Yep. As, a, as a young kid playing footy, I, was, I didn't want to run the ball, I didn't want to do anything, you know? And, uh, but, but that helped me develop. It, like it, it, for, to, to where I am now as a, as a comic um, I, I, I had to develop a, a sense of humour mm-hmm. without a sense of humour I would have been an outcast no one wanted to talk to me you know I didn't even have any blonde locks anymore like, I wasn't even looking like a beachy um, and that made me you know and even to talk to girls or whatever to have any friends at all you had to have a sense of humour okay. uh, if you looked different or you didn't fit the mould uh, I didn't fit many things, especially clothes. Especially so clothes. I certainly didn't fit the mould. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so that really helped me. And going through school, I was always, you know, the class clown and all that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, post-school, I sort of just cruised. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always kept putting off doing stand-up. Like I, I, There was a point probably about year nine or year eight, mm. uh, I, was, I was crook and I thought, what do I want to do with myself, you know? What do I want to do with my life? I had a bit of term off school. It was a bit of an anxiety sort of thing mm. that... Uh, the, you know, we didn't really know what it was back then. You know, that wasn't spoken about as much. But that was, you know, that's neither here nor there. But um, I was thinking to myself, what do I want to do? And then I, through that time, at a term off school, I watched so many hours of YouTube of comedians. From, yep. from Carl Barron, you know, all the way to, you know, people like Ari Shafir and Joe Rogan now. I always just watch these people and I think, that's what I want to do. I want to stand in front of thousands of people and, and make them laugh, you know, make them happy. And you see people like from Australia, like Jim Jeffries, who are doing it, is doing it now. Uh, and, and, and through things like radio and podcasting, what we're doing right now, that mm. is the future. Yeah. There's no doubt that, uh, you know, in time, in 10 years' time, every new car will have digital radio podcasting incorporated into it as standard. And they'll, people will be able to go, well, I want to listen to this podcast from this part of the world with this person talking. 
rather than having, you know, G'day to 106 point whatever, you know, coming up, we've got Icy Cold Cans of Coke, make sure you tune yeah, in for yeah. another song. You know, it's just a, it's a painful experience listening to those type of things. And if you get to choose to listen to people you want to listen to, you're going to, you know, you're going to really engage. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be able to, you know, project myself forward through podcasting and project my ideas and my views and my terrible jokes mm. through through stand-up. You yep, know? Yep. And there's something really, really nice about making a whole group of strangers laugh through something that you tirelessly write and you spend hours trying to, trying to work out what's funny and what's not funny. And, you know. So how long would it actually take you to come up with a, a new piece of material? Well, it can take anywhere from a, like six months to two seconds. Yep. You know? I wrote a joke the other morning. It was, I'm not going to ruin it because you come and see my show. Um, but... It took me two seconds, but other things I've developed over, you know, I'll write for three or four days. Yeah. Like, from when I write, like, I go, I, I either sit at my desk or I'll go down to the beach or I'll go here, there or wherever, or even to a pub. Mm. And, uh, and I'll start writing down with a few ideas. But for me, and for anyone who ever wanted to do stand-up, my first uh, recommendation to you would be just do it. Because mm-hmm. I took way too long. Yeah. It, it took a health scare for yep. me to, uh, to really dive into it. Why why health scare? Well, I, I for about you know to get a little bit personal with me. Yeah, this is about this is your life, isn't it? Um, <laughs> get, I, your, I, get your hand off my knee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comfortable environment. I um I, I when I was probably about uh, eighteen, I started to develop um, uh, for lack of a better word, it's a sort of seizure type of thing. It's it's an involuntary movement of my head for about ten seconds. Now I went to the doctor on my twenty first birthday about it because I had a really bad episode um, uh, the night before mm-hmm. and I went to the doctor and he he said and I was I was scared you know I didn't I didn't know what was happening he yeah, said of course mate I think you've got this and I said what's that he said you know the people in wheelchairs that can't move <laughs> that and I was like so you're saying I'm going to be in a wheelchair he said no wait till you talk to the neurologist I don't want to comment on it any further but he put the but he put the idea in, in my head, yeah. you know. Yeah. And people I've spoken to since said that's the most ridiculous, really ridiculous thing to say. But you know, for whatever reason, he said it, and it terrified me. Yeah, you know, I, I'm thinking here I am, you know, 20, 21 years old, you know, relatively healthy, you know, running around all the time, carrying on, enjoying myself, going out with my mates. Um, mm. You know, you saying I'm going to be in a wheelchair in six months? Yeah. Like, Shit! What does what does that mean? Yeah, that, that, it, it it really struck me with a lot of fear, and uh, it was my girlfriend at the time who you know supported me through it and just said, just do it, just yep. go and do stand up, just go and give it a go, and it took me like before that I was developing I had I had five minutes of material that I've been developing for like a year, <laughs> yeah, and she said just go and do it, will you? Stop putting it off because you know I, I'd say oh no I won't do it tonight, I won't do it tonight. I'll do it another night. She's like no, nah, stop being a sook, just go mm-hmm. and do it. So I went up and did it. Yep. And loved every second of it. Uh, my first first set went really well. Yep. And I've just been looking for ways to improve myself as a comedian and uh, put myself forward and you know uh, do more shows and all that type of stuff since. And it's 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 probably the best thing I ever did. Yeah, uh, awesome. Just to get up and do that. But it all it all stemmed from a bad situation. Yep. That I I, I turned somehow into a positive. Sometimes we have to go through that, you know, you have to uh, hit a crisis before you take the next step and um, I suppose come out of your shell and, um, you know, I'm sure as we interview people uh, over the, the next, uh, you know, few episodes, we'll, we'll really start to learn about how there was some kind of, um, you know, major influencing factor yeah. 
in some what type drove, of crisis. yeah, some kind of crisis. What drove them to being the person that they are, and and it's same. It sounds like we have very similar um, values and and uh, you know kind of experiences when we talk about all this stuff uh, just amongst you and me, um, which is which is kind of cool, really. Absolutely, and I mean you're at the point where you are a successful person. You're uh, you know you're high up in your in your in, with your colleagues. You you know you're doing all these great things. Yep. Uh, you've actually got a book coming out, yep. which is very exciting. Yeah, uh, yeah. How well, I mean, we've got the book right here, the Underground Health. Revolution, revolution, <laughs> revolution. Yeah, very exciting. Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a little while, just before we uh, okay. Get well, back to what we're talking about. I think I think what you were saying before about um, when you had that experience where you went into the medical world that you didn't really know what was wrong with you, and they just put the fear of God into Basically, you. Basically, absolutely. And, yeah. and then it's just a case of well, we don't really kind of know what to do. Just take these pills and and hope for the best. Mm. And that's, and that's really why I actually wrote the book, because the book gives you a guideline or an understanding about how to live a life where you don't need to take pills every day. You don't need to um, live in fear. You don't need to be a victim of um, that type of culture if you can understand actually how the body works and what's required and then have some kind of strategies to be able to fill those requirements. Yes. So that's 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 the real guts of the book, you know, just getting people to understand what they need and giving them really clear and easy ways to try and achieve those things that they need. So what's the focus of the book? Like what what, what does the book hope to achieve in every single person that reads it? Is, mm-hmm. there, is there one key thing they want to take away from it or is it numerous key things? Is it a big change in their lifestyle or is it a gradual yep. change? So... A lot of the concepts in the book for a lot of people, um, they're going to be very uh, confronting because um, we've been brought up into a society that, um, you know, tells us to to eat foods, you know, the, the food pyramid and all that kind of stuff. That Well, can we use milk as an example? An example you gave me the other day. Oh, yeah. When we were talking about, uh, and I brought up for some reason, I was listening to something and they are talking about, you know, no other animal as an adult drinks mm. milk. But humans. Yes, so why do correct. we do it? And you basically just jump straight into the point that. Yeah. Said, well, do you remember what you said, or should I? Yeah. No. No. That's right. Well, when when um when we went away from hunting and gathering uh, in small little tribes to um, a bit more of developing agriculture, uh, you know, we, we introduced farming and mm. and milk was a quick and easy source uh, that was available uh, to use as as fuel. Um, and so then we started kind of storing it and producing it and then you know somewhere along the line we just assumed that it was a natural food source for a human Um, and then obviously people started researching it and then trying to sell it and promote it so what they did is they realized there was calcium in milk Mm -hmm. and they gave you the line that you know the only way to get calcium is to drink milk and you're told from a kid that strong bones and teeth come from drinking a glass of milk every day yeah, which is which is quite funny when you actually look at um, different countries. You know, mm-hmm. the, the countries that drink the highest amounts of milk tend to have the worst kind of teeth and the weakest bones. Um, and uh, you know, if you if you just think of yourself as as an animal, uh, and as you said, you know, no other animal drinks another species' milk. Mm. I mean, you, it's if you were okay, if you were going back to a hunter gatherer, um, and there was like a cow in front of you. Would it make sense to run up to that cow 
and just suck on its teeth. Well, there's, there's, there's a bit about that that someone did, and I can't remember who it is, but who was the first person to go up and just suck on yeah, the cow's ha- teeth? Yeah, have a go, yeah. Like, that's something you'd have to find deep in the internet these yeah. days. Someone, <laughs> as, as some type of bestiality I'm stuff. I'm sure it is. But that's the thing. I'm positive it, if I've seen it. Yeah, go on. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you have. Um, the thing lonely is, nights at my house. Don't you, would have, you would have just tried to <clears throat> you know, take down that beast. Yes. And you would have eaten the meat, you would have sucked out the bones, you would have eaten all the guts and everything. And if that animal had some milk, you probably would have drunk it too. Hmm. But it wouldn't have been the primary source of nutrient from that animal. Do you see what I mean? So it would have been a very, very small component, if at all. Um, And when you think about, um, you know, how... How species evolve over a period of time. They don't. They don't thrive off the things they get little of. They thrive off the things they get the most of. Mm. So for us, it's it's meats and vegetables and nuts and seeds and you know pretty much anything you can smack over the head or mm. pick from a tree or pull from the ground. That's about it. You know, no no processed stuff. So for a young kid who's trying to grow strong bones and teeth, is there any other way to produce calcium? We eat vegetables. So vegetables yeah. have calcium in Yeah. You so you don't eat... need milk? No, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah, you'll get more than enough calcium out of eating, especially darker green vegetables, um, than, than you will ever from drinking milk, you know, because mm. you, you absorb calcium from vegetables a lot better than yes. what you actually do from, from milk. Milk's quite... Um, uh, well, here's a good way to explain it. If you have a, a hot curry... What do you have? Like, what do you need to drink to try and dampen down the acidity in your system? Uh, milk. Yeah, milk. Yeah. Right. So if you if you go and take that principle and then reverse it, so if you just drink a lot of milk, what does your body try and do to try and balance that out internally? Add Create, more acid, yeah. yeah, it creates a lot more acidity. So um, what you're actually doing by drinking milk or having milk on a regular basis is you're creating quite an acidic environment in your system, okay. which then has to draw calcium away from bones and draw things like magnesium away from muscles to try and fuel the fire. So by drinking milk, you actually absorb less calcium in the end. So it has a negative effect. It actually has a negative effect, yeah, rather than a positive effect. Is this the problem with food? Like, I know that um, a big influence on what people eat Mm. is lobbyists. Yep. Based on the American principles, you know, that's how Australia bases ours, basically. You know, know, sugar lobbyists, you know, corn syrup lobbyists, all these type of people, they want you to keep consuming out your product. So they will dampen things like the, the Paleolithic lifestyle. Absolutely. Now... I, I look at, you know, the paleo diet and things like that, and everyone hears negative things about it, everything, everyone hears positive things about it. The way I look at it is if you base your diet, and diet is diet is a negative word straight away. Mm-hmm. People hear diet and they go, oh, no, mate, no diet, yeah. you know. You base your nutrients intake Perfect. Yep. on things that, you know, your body has developed to eat over thousands and thousands of years rather than things your body has learned to deal with yep. over the past hundred years. Yep. Surely that's got to have a more positive effect rather than eating a, uh, drinking a, a can of Coke. Yeah, know? of course it does. Here's a really great way to, uh, to understand it. Um, again, just think of us just like an animal, mm. like any other animal on the planet. Okay? If you've got a bunch of um, pandas, what do pandas eat? Uh, bamboo. Right. If you've got 10 pandas, what would you feed 10 pandas? A shitload of bamboo. Exactly. You wouldn't have a different diet for a different panda. Or a deck it's... chair from Ikea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have a, a different different nutrient source 
for that animal. It's yeah. just it's the same fuel source, right? And you and you apply that principle to any animal. If you get a bunch of horses, they're going to eat hay, and you get a bunch of I don't know monkeys, they're going to eat bananas or whatever it is, right? So every animal has a specific diet that is required again based on their gene code. Mm. Um, a specific movement pattern, a specific type of social and environment setting and all that kind of stuff. So when you kind of take that principle and realise that, you know, humans are just animals and we do have that one kind of basic diet, which really comes down to that paleo or primal type diet, mm. it all of a sudden just makes sense, you know, and, and you can start to sift away through um, all the advertising and the crap that's out there. I mean, you think about this. They say for you to eat... Um, you know, whole grain type foods, correct? Yes. And and you get on the food pyramid, you'll see them promoting pasta and bread. And, you know, we somehow get brainwashed into believing that they are whole foods. Mm. But I don't know about you. I, I haven't kind of walked out in the garden and seen a loaf of bread growing from a tree. Have you? I have not. I have or not. A, a pasta bush. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you still have to process these things. Absolutely. And so they're not, they're not natural food sources. They're something that man has created just to, um, you know, kind of fuel the masses. But it's like, it's like getting that, that panda. Um, you know, you might be able to feed that panda some mushroom to sustain life, mm. but it's still not going to thrive on it because it needs bamboo, you know? So you get a human. Yes, you might be able to sustain some kind of life by feeding it a whole bunch of bread and pasta and rice and that type of stuff, but it's not the fuel source they've been genetically kind of wired up to thrive from. Well, with the pandas, and especially with them dying out, and they're not, you know, they're not, uh, they're not breeding in in the in the zoos. Perhaps they should be feeding them oysters, really firing <laughs> them up. But, but, but even with oysters, you know, it's a bit of aphrodisiac. Well, there you, you go. Even with oysters and aphrodisiac, is that just a way to sell oysters? Well, I don't know if it's just a way to sell oysters, but. Um, Certain foods and certain things that we do definitely change your hormonal um, experience and your chemistry in your body. Mm. Uh, for example, if you drink a lot of soy, that can um, affect the way that your body produces estrogen, as, as, a, you know, as an example there. And you know, oysters, they can change your chemistry to make you, you know, pretty much want to have sex mm. with someone. Okay. So you know, there's, there's definitely some merit in those things. And of course, you know, if you're trying to sell any product... You try and grab onto the thing that people want and you just say, well, you know, if you just do this or eat that, then you're going to get X, Y, Z. You know? And that's, that's really what the basis of marketing is. So could, that, could you say that you could replace in nightclubs in Newcastle mm. drugs yep. with oysters and it would just be a happy environment for everyone? Or it could be more dangerous. I don't know. I, I don't know. Unless you have a bad patch of oysters, and then it's just going to be a very messy night. Oh, it's a mess. That's all it's a mess. <laughs> it's always anyway, a messy night. I don't know about you, but a beer and an oyster probably wouldn't go down well together. Oh, maybe if it's a craft beer. It could do. Maybe a nice tasting uh, pale ale of some description. I'm not going to use any names because if you, yep. want, if you want me to use names, sponsor us. Um, <laughs> but you, perhaps. I, I'm a big fan of oysters. I'd never used yep. to eat oysters, and then I got, got stuck into them one Christmas. Yep. Actually, no, at a work Christmas party, I was... Uh, rather inebriated. Yeah, I was pissed. As you and, do, as you do at a Christmas party, and they, all I had was seafood. And I wasn't a big seafood eater, but I got stuck in these oysters. And ever since then, I've been a big oyster fan. But I, but I'm sure no one really cares about my <laughs> oyster obsession, <laughs> um, oyster fetish. But yeah, so people have a negative approach to the paleo diet. Some yep. people, people who obviously have a, you know adapted their lifestyle towards it, are very happy with it and all mm. those type of things. That's why they did it. Yeah, the people who go, oh, you don't need. To, why would you need to do that? I think the easiest way to sort of, for me who doesn't subscribe to it, mm. just because I'm lazy, you mm. know, I just I, I know what it takes 
to be a finely tuned athlete and have a six pack and all those type of things. But I just I don't want to I want to I want to have my beers with a few of my mates on the weekend. I want to you know, yeah, I, sure. you know and that's that's just you know, don't get me wrong, I would like to improve myself. I'm sure everyone has yep. things that they like to improve on. But the easiest way to look at it is, you know, you don't have to subscribe down to the finest detail of what people a thousand years ago ate, but just eat things that would be walking around or would be growing out of the ground. So, yeah, so here's the thing. We, we sometimes forget that um, no matter how hard you try living in this Western world, it is impossible to eat a perfect paleo diet. Absolutely. It is impossible to move in a way that you've been genetically designed to move. It's impossible to have that environment surrounding you that is congruent with what you need. Um, you know, and it's impossible to have your, your spine and nervous system working properly because we just sit down all day, as an example. So we have um, this, this kind of uh, false belief that you know, if you can just do it perfectly, then everything's going to be all right. But the reality is it's not about being perfect. It's about incorporating a, a lifestyle that is comfortable for you, um, that uses these type of principles as a foundation, mm. and you can then kind of, you know, if you want to go out and have a couple of beers on the weekend, that's fine. That's your choice. You know, you're allowed to do that if that's what you want to do. Mm. But if the nuts and bolts of your diet and movement and, and environment and, you know, spinal kind of stuff follow these principles, mm. you'll, you'll be able to pretty much have a phenomenal life. Yeah. You know, it's not hardcore. It's not mm. that hard, mm. you know. I mean, if you want to follow the Paleolithic diet down to its absolute, you know, finest detail, you'd have to follow your own genome and go back to exactly where your ancestors came from and what was available in that exact Yeah, in that exact you have to eat bark off trees and suck down some mosquitoes exactly. and whatever's available, you know, in the bush. But, you know, we don't have to do that. So, no. But at the same instance, you know, we don't have to deal with tiger attacks and stuff too. So exactly. we should be grateful. Exactly. and. And um, we should kind of take it a little bit with a grain of salt that, you know, a, a beer here and there is, you know, let's, let's say it's, it's not going to just make you die on the spot. Mm. It takes time to accumulate these, um, these chronic stresses. Um, and we should be grateful that we have that available to us and we don't deal with tiger attacks <clears throat> and all that crisis stuff. Do you think it would be a fair statement saying that the modern day human, the way, they, the way we live, they live, the way we live, yep. is sort of like... Kid, when he has his first car, like this is this is a human, uh, you know, we're in that we're in that time where we're still growing as a species. Yep. You know, we're still evolving mentally and physically. You know, we've got all these amazing things that have just popped up in the last century, mm. last hundred years, and we're freaking out about them. You know, we're yep. we're using up all the energy. Yep. we're eating all the food. We're doing we're drinking all the water. We're polluting all the water that we're then going to drink, and then we're doing this, this, and this, mm. and we're all freaking out at the same time about all these things and these crazy things and all these bad things are happening. Yeah, is this just a necessary part to get to a point? Do you think where everything is down packed? We know what we're doing. All right, this is how we live. Let's not carry mm. on. You know, our grandfathers did when they were eating all these chips and macas and stuff. This yep. is how we live our lives. Do you think that that could be a way that? People will evolve. Well, this, I mean, this is what we just kind of talked about before about having to go through a crisis yes. to then change your um, perception and kind of, you know, drive you to where you actually want to go. Mm. And as a society and a group, yeah, we actually are in a really big crisis at the moment mm. in regards to our health, our environment, our economy. You know, it's all a big freaking mess. Mm. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that what we've done over the last couple of generations does not work. Mm. So we have to do something different. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It will end up being a case where 
if we don't change our ways, um, then we will just end up becoming extinct, Absolutely. just like any other species would. It's a scary thing to think. I mean, you know, fear is... Fear drives everything mm. in today's society. It's a scary thing to think, but there's so many ways that human life can end, like a whole species extinction can come into effect. Mm. It could be through eating all the food or drinking all the water or an asteroid or a nuclear sure. war or all these sure, sure. things. Do you think that fear, like with terrorist attacks, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to sleep with the girl you want, you're not going to marry the girl of your dreams, you're going to get blown up in a plane, you're going to, you know... You're going to get in a car crash. You're going to mm. get uh, stabbed by a person on ice. You're going to have a drink-driving accident. You're going to mm. this, 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 this. You're going to get cancer. Mm. Do you think that all manifests itself into just a negative thought on everything and then you just sort of happen to eat poorly from that, maybe? Um, <laughs> I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you condition in a way from it's the time almost, you grow it's up. It's too hard, so why bother? Why bother? That attitude. You know, Is that what you mean? Absolutely. And do you think that's why a lot of people live just lives where they just go, okay... I want to do this, mm. but you know what? I'm just going to do this, you know? So I, want to, I know what the right thing is, but I, I'm just going to do whatever I want because it's just too hard and what's the point anyway? I'm going to die. Is that what you mean? Exactly. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Um, look, yes, people do live like that. And, um, and again, that's your choice. It, it's not, I'm not here to tell people what they should and shouldn't do. Mm. I'm just here to give people the guidelines about how to incorporate things into their life so that they can, if they choose, live a phenomenal life. Um, you know, I, I can't obviously speak for people uh, and say that, you know, maybe it is those things that drive them to an unhealthy lifestyle. I think, I think just convenience and ease and lack of knowledge really is the thing that drives people mm. towards an unhealthy lifestyle um, and, and belief systems as well. Um, you know, here's, a, here's an example, right? If I was to say to you, um, here's... You know, what's your, what's your favourite food that you know you shouldn't eat? Um, chicken parmy. Chicken big dirty parmi. schnitzel. <laughs> a, big, a big schnitty. Too fitty schnitty. Um, so if I was to get some arsenic, which, yep. uh, which is flavourless and clear, and I was to put that arsenic into that big schnitzel, and it was to look the same and smell the same and taste exactly the same, would you eat it? Well, I mean, it depends how hungry I... No, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. Obviously. You wouldn't, right. And, and the reason you wouldn't eat it is just is because your belief or your understanding about that thing changed. Yeah. It wasn't the smell, it wasn't the taste, it was your belief system regarding that piece of food. So once you kind of understand this stuff like I do and your knowledge base becomes so clear then it becomes very easy to not want to eat the schnitzel. Yes. You know, it becomes easy to want to eat the carrot. Do you understand? You, you naturally just drive towards healthier options because it just starts to make sense. Hmm. Whereas if you really don't understand the devastation of um, eating those type of things or moving in a way that is poor or whatever it might be, then, you know, you'll just kind of bumble along and do those things hmm. and, and just be subpar and be okay with it and the great thing about nutrition is there's a lot of services especially around newcastle and greater parts of australia that do offer help with uh you know getting those foodstuffs into your body and and one is going to join us in our next podcast our Absolutely. first ever guest yep uh from uh, fit and fresh that's right adrian from fit and fresh he'll he'll be talking a lot about um uh, his uh, products and he actually has a whole paleo range um which is okay. which is fantastic so you know, the, the beautiful thing about um, what they do is that 
uh, like you said, it becomes very difficult to try and just do this stuff. Mm. He just does it all for you. Yes. So he just he just goes, right, well, I'll just take all the hard work out of it, package it up, and, and you'll just be, get healthier. You know, it's, it's quite a great thing. So Adrian will be on uh, Modern Day Thoughts in the, in the next episode, so make sure you subscribe so you get that... Uh, and you'll be able to listen to everything he has to say about the fresh food that he offers. And it's not just a big ad for his company, but he's going to talk about all the things that he believes in and where he got to this point. Yeah. And that's going to be the point of this podcast, is to talk to successful people and find out how they got to where they are yep. and how you could, they could possibly help you to get to where you want to be as well. That's right, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm really excited that um, you know, we are doing this. Mm. And uh, I'm excited for you too because... It is, it's very exciting. You know, because you, you, you still don't have that clarity about where you want to go or mm. what you want to do. And the one thing that I know over time is that the more clear and concise you are about what it is you actually want, the world just seems to open up to you. Mm. And, and your path becomes a lot easier and you just end up getting to where you want to go. So I reckon during this series, you'll actually um, learn a lot from, and I will too, mm. from all these people that we interview about helping us achieve the goals that we want to achieve just like all the listeners out there you know they're going to get the the real benefits and understanding mm. and help them to achieve whatever it is they want to achieve and i'm still very early into my comedy career and uh, you know i've learned a lot over the past two years i've been doing it um and i mean you know through through my business front row comedy we do shows throughout newcastle and sydney so get on facebook and like front row comedy go us <laughs> shameless plug why not? um why not but uh, there's so many things i've learned bryce i mean you know, things from how to deal with a, a shit crowd. And by shit crowd, I mean people who don't want to laugh. Because, for example, we did uh, Sydney Fringe Festival, our show Better Late Than Pregnant. It's <laughs> a great name, mind you. <laughs> we went along there with a couple other mates and we did a, a, a Fringe show. And the first night we had three people in the audience. It was a Wednesday night in Marrickville at 10 o'clock. We, we pulled the worst straw out of the hat. That's a tough crowd. And first show, it was the first week of the festival, no one cared. Yeah. And there was no one there. And if you're in a, you know, imagine being tonight if you went and watched a comedy show and you were sitting in a room full of 80 chairs. Yep. And there's only three people there all scattered throughout the audience. And there's a bloke up there doing material that I talk about where you're talking about religion and, and those type of things. You wouldn't laugh. Because you don't, you'd be self-conscious about yourself laughing. Yeah, of course. So we all did about about 20, 25 minutes of material each yep. to almost silence. <laughs> that was... Uh, that that was, would have been tough. That was full on. But that's not my worst. My worst crowd I've had was uh, last... No, this year, sorry. Uh, I went on the bus with the New South Wales uh, city team. Mm -hmm. So with the rugby league, there's, uh, city, uh, there's uh, State of Origin. Yep. And the precursor to Save Origin is city country. So it's yeah, the yeah. city team, all the boys that represent the city versus the country. So yeah. uh, my old man was one of the coaching staff. So through that, I, I got onto Brad Fittler and spoke to him. And Freddie got me on the bus. Yep. Um, we we travelled around the city, went and saw some homeless people. And they had a big barbie and all the players were great. And it's, yep. it's amazing the things you don't see yep. uh, in, the, in the media about, especially NRL players. Like they're out there giving yeah, their time sure. and they're, they're firing all these people up, and it's amazing the homeless population in Sydney. You coming mm. from Sydney would probably know it better mm -hmm. than I. Yeah, yeah. amazing. You know, in Newcastle, you might see one or two homeless people around in a month, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But you know, we were, there was this whole community from yeah. you know six year old men to yeah. to nine year old young young little little girls running around with toys, and yeah. you're thinking, wow, you know, what a what a life you know these people lead. But but anyway, not to get too down, but it was it was a real eye opener for me, and then. 
you know, we went to this pub and I thought I was going to do, you know, a half an hour set to the players. Yeah. And talk to them. Uh, but they were they were all in the pokies. Oh, yeah. And they didn't want to... They were throwing away their dispensable income, which for those yeah. players is a lot of money. <laughs> and um, they didn't want to do it there. So they uh, they got me up on the bus on the way back to the hotel. They're all blind, drunk. Yep. 12 o'clock at night, basically. Uh, it's a half an hour bus ride home. So they said to me, do you want to just do until we get home? Righto, cool. So they give me the bus microphone, which is a square little, Perfect. like, something you'd point out and uh, to your left, you'll see the Eiffel yeah. Tower. <laughs> um, you know, they gave me that and it was only, like, you know, two feet long and it wouldn't even stretch, you know, wouldn't stretch at all. So I was at the front of the bus just yelling at people. And as soon as I started talking, these, you know, 50... You know, intoxicated, you know, bravado-driven men were just into me, like shut up, you dickhead, <laughs> and they're into me. And they, but it was great, you know. I, I got through. I, I think I had about three punchlines in thirty minutes. Yeah. And uh, but I got through it, and uh, you know, the players came up, you know, but I was giving it back to the players. They were giving it to me, and I was into them, you know. And uh, it was it was a really good experience. And one of the players, the Penrith uh, fullback Matt Moylan, said, you know, it was the best bus trip he's ever had yeah cool so so I did my job but that was my hardest crowd and you know yep. I've, I've learned a lot about how to deal with people since then so yep. if I get back there next year yep. watch out <laughs> when you get back when there I get year. there next yeah, year yeah. we'll see how we go but uh, they're actually thinking about uh, uh, getting rid of city country oh really yeah because no one cares about it apparently but it is a good game you know people get a representative I, I like it yeah. Oh, yeah. I watch it so yeah exactly it's, uh, it's not too bad but yeah and that's that's all a part of the you know what I'm doing uh, through my my, my uh, apprenticeship as an aspiring comedian, mm. um, you know, going through those hard times and yep. uh, travelling to Sydney because uh, there's, there's not much happening in Newcastle. We're trying to get the scene going up here, but there's not much happening there. So you'll drive to Sydney for a 10-minute spot and you go and drive home and you don't get paid or you do get paid or mm. whatever. It's a, hard, it's a hard one to sort of wrap your head around. So if there's any listeners out there that own pubs and clubs and, you know, want to help you out and Jeez, start give putting me a call, for please. Yeah, yeah, Put absolutely. It, but it is. It, it drives people. And people don't know they like comedy because it doesn't come to Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, you know, it comes to the Civic Theatre every now and then. Yeah. You know, and that's just a big name and that sells out. But, you know, there's... It's not just the big names. There is thousands of comedians in Australia that are absolutely hilarious. Mm. And people love them. You mm. know, uh, I see the shows that... Uh, that I organise through Front Row Comedy, like we do shows where there's eight comedians on and everyone kills. Mm. And the audience walks away going, that was awesome, that was fantastic. And yep. the great thing about stand-up and the thing that I love is not only seeing a joke you work on really hard come to fruition, but it's making people happy. Yeah. You know, it can change people's days, their nights, you know. I've, the lady came up to us after our last fringe show and said, oh, that, that changed my night, I've been having the worst week and you've, you've mm. made it all better and... You know, if you can have such a positive influence on people, it's the same thing with what you're doing. Trying to have a positive influence on people. So, you know, I think, I think we've just hit the nail on the head. The the thing that really makes people successful is that they help other people. They have this drive, not for themselves, not for necessarily financial gain or whatever it is, but they just want to help people to experience a better quality of life. You know, mm. you do it through humour. I do it through health. Other people do it through whatever means they do it through. And I reckon this is going to be a very common theme that we're going to find mm. um, throughout all of our interviews. Um, and, it, and it probably does stem back to our ancestral times. You know, as a tribe, in order to survive, guess what we needed to do? Mm, we need to help people. We need to gather around and make sure we, as a group, 
were surviving and thriving as a whole. And if you're so, not helping people a thousand years ago, you're shunned. Yeah, you're, you're, you're out of the group. You, you, know, don't want to you be, are the weakest link. Absolutely. Yeah, it's unfortunate that in our society, people who run corporations, usually faceless and all those type of things, they're yep. negative you know, influences on the community. But if we, through our podcast, through mm. Modern Day Thoughts, mm. if you haven't subscribed, bloody subscribe now, fair dinkum. Yep. Through Modern Day Thoughts, if we can... Get into people's minds and say you can do what you want to do. Yep. This isn't a motiva- isn't a motivational thing. We want to provide evidence. Yeah, yeah. We want to. Yeah. We want to. We want to try and. As I said, there's going to be common themes, and, and we're going to try and um, bring out those themes each time, so that yeah, you guys, the listeners, and you as well, and myself, Isaac, uh, you Isaac and myself, um, get my name right. <laughs> That's good stuff. You know, we'll we'll all grow and develop from this and be the best that we can be. You know, this is, yeah, I'm excited. So that's basically it from our first first ever episode of Modern Day Thought. So if you're interested in what we're talking about, it's going to get a lot more interesting when you get some great people on from, uh, you know, people you've heard of before, from people you haven't heard of before. Yep. Uh, you know, so jump on the Facebook, look us up on Facebook, uh, Modern Day Thoughts. Jump on our Twitter, follow us there. We might even have an Instagram, who knows, probably a Tumblr as well. Yep. See what happens. Uh, jump on Bryce's website, drbryceflaming.com.au. Jump that into Google and have a look at everything we've got to offer on there. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes as well. That's really important. So modern day thoughts, get that stuck in your head because that's what we want to do. We want to get modern day thoughts and positive thoughts and happiness and fucking what's happening. It's all happening. <laughs> it's, it's all, all happening. happening in the studio. <laughs> but uh, get out and buy Bryce's book. Uh, any little plug for the book? Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the Underground Health Revolution. Um, it's going to be uh, distributed in a, well, a lot of places around Newcastle to start with, but you can you can buy it through my website. Uh, that's drbrysleming.com.au. Um, yeah, so. The only thing I've got to plug is me, so come and see me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing much at the moment, just this. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's Modern Day Thoughts, episode one. So make sure you tune in next time. Uh, make sure you subscribe as well. I know I've been saying that all, all show, but make sure you do. Uh, we've got Adrian from Fit and Fresh. He's going to be on the show. So, Bryce, thank you very much. Thanks, mate. It's and been thank great. you all for listening. My name is Isaac Butterfield, Dr. Bryce Fleming as well, and uh, we'll see you next time. Woohoo!